Signs of the Southland, Monday, March 14th, 2022. Mr. Grant, I'm hearing sources report that you have changed your current book that you're reading, and I'd like you to make an official statement about it. Yes. Um, So I was enjoying Loserville a lot and started to get sad that there's really no other market for books like this. And I had a March Madness book on my pile as well. That has been good, but, you know, a little more generic. Love John Feinstein, but a little more generic. Um, So I pivoted to that. Uh, It's currently going fine. um, And I'm enjoying that too. Looking forward to get back to Loserville, but I was kind of like, I'm trying to like savor it. I know that's a little weird, but I don't know. We'll, We'll come back to it. It's in a very specific niche of sports sociology and sports history. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And Atlanta, because I know there will probably never be another book written like it. So uh, until we write that book, but we'll, we'll see how that happens. Sources have not discussed that part. I will say that was not a discussion revealed to me in those discussions. Uh, Let's get started with our discussion of the Georgia tech sports ecosystem with the club sports network, starting with hockey. Yeah, well, I know we talked last uh, last time out that they were probably on the outside looking in of the uh, college hockey federation federation cup, but they're not. Um, they're actually the number fourteen seed out of thirty two, which very much reflects a great year that they had. Uh, so they'll be playing up in Westchester, Pennsylvania this uh, this upcoming weekend, or I guess the nineteenth to the twenty. Yeah, so this upcoming weekend. The interesting thing is. I don't know if this means that it's for auto bids or if because they finished fourth in the regular season, the conference tournament just didn't even matter. But there's five uh, college hockey South teams there anyways. So, like, I, I, I don't know. Who's, who's to say? I have no idea. I just – I also have no idea about some of these teams they're scheduled to play over the next couple of days later this week. Uh, notably Cutstown University and Alvernia University. Florida Atlantic, obviously, more vanilla, if you will. But uh, it got a little bit more Rocky Road and chocolate. Well, not chocolate, more of a mint chocolate chip with, with Cutstown and Alvernia. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, those, are, those are Greek to me, but, uh, you know, it's, it's more of, at least to me, like uh, – like a Coke and a Pepsi while Florida Atlantic's a nice, fresh, boring water. So, Fair enough. Wow. Uh, Cutstown is in Cutstown, Pennsylvania. Kind of should have put that one together. That's probably local to Westchester. Uh, Alvernia is in Reading, Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading. Yeah, Reading, Reading, Pennsylvania. Actually. Of course think, we say it the British way. I think I've been to both of those towns in the last year. Actually, I don't know about Reading, but definitely – we have not been to okay maybe not i don't know definitely westchester though definitely drove through westchester West- i don't know mm-hmm. i almost bought a johnny smith book from a barn in the middle of or somewhere outside of westchester but then i decided to leave it for the next person that came along because i already love randy roberts and john smith's books so i was like i'll leave that there for someone else i hope an attendee at this federation cup does pick up that book it looks like those three opponents that we named, Cutstown, Alvernia, and Florida Atlantic, will be Tech's opponents in pool play. They have to win 
the pool to advance to the quarterfinals. This isn't in a, a like a Champions League or a, uh, you know, a what is the other example that I was looking for? World Cup situation where you get second place pool finishers or group finishers to advance to nope. the quarters. No, it looks like straight eight nope. groups. Straight eight. Quarterfinals, eight means eight teams. There's eight pools. I don't see any way out other than beating the number three seed, Florida Atlantic, and uh, dealing with the Pennsylvanians. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, you know. Uh, so those games, the Cutstown game is on the 18th. That is, what is that, Thursday? Um, no, Friday. Friday uh, at 10.55 a.m. That's an early one. Uh, Alvernia oh, is – random time. Just start the game at 11. Yeah, I don't know. Then Alvernia is on Saturday at 9.15 p.m. So talk about opposite sides of the pole there. And then Florida Atlantic is at a more neutral time of 4 p.m. on Sunday. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, I assume the quarterfinals are the following day, a couple of days. So uh, we'll be an interesting weekend out there in Westchester. To win this thing, it essentially sounds like you have to win six games in six days or hope some tiebreakers go your favor early and win five games in six days. I don't know. Uh, men's national team for the U.S. did it in the Gold Cup. It's all possible. Well, not that wasn't in six days. It was definitely over like three weeks. But the point stands. Yeah. Well, um, you know, that's why they call winning the tournament winning the tournament because you did all the winning. But um, very yeah. insightful. Incredible insight. Incredible analysis. We're moving right along to a team that wins a lot, uh, although maybe not this weekend. Men's lacrosse who split their games this weekend uh, with split their Alabama. Games. Oh, did I forget to update that? No, they won both their games. Dude, you are doing the hosting a real disservice by not properly documenting your, your data points here. This is what you get for making me do this on my own, my guy. No QA for this guy. So they didn't split both games. So my segue was actually more accurate than I thought it was going to be. 2-0 this weekend, 20-7 to over Alabama and 10-5. to over Tennessee. So it looks like they have dominance over the third Saturday in October. Anything to add here? Yeah, I uh, haven't seen them in person yet. 20 to seven feels more like the uh, thwomping that we're used to there. 10 to five. I don't know. I have no, I have no idea how good Tennessee is, but uh, you know, wins are wins and, and, you know, just got to pile up until the conference tournament and, and do your business from there. Yeah, I, I think our thoughts or at least our inkling about, okay, well, maybe this is a more of a reloading, rebuilding somewhere in the middle of that year for uh, for the lacrosse team might be close to accurate, but also these are still multiple goal margins to probably at least decent competition. The Southeast is a pretty large hotbed for lacrosse, like high school lacrosse. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some D1 level talents that just didn't want to play D1 lacrosse at, at some of these schools. I will say um, in this week's poll, week three, Georgia Tech, who is seven and two uh, and previously beat uh, Tennessee, is currently sitting at seventh down one spot, even after their two win, uh, two win weekend. Because Florida, uh, a team that Tech, I believe, one of their two losses, yeah, one of their two losses to, um, did vault them in, in the standings. And then we had, uh, Clemson, who we've also lost to so far this year, sitting at four. So 
really Tech's played, uh, it seems like, a couple of good teams and, you know, just come up on the short end of the stick there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a short end of a stick of a drive to a tournament, the club swim team visited Clemson. You have some updates. You have very few of them. What what happened here? All I know is that they all left and then they all came back and no one told me what happened. So. This is, you know, fantastic reporting here from you. I was on call for work this weekend. It was a heck of a weekend. That's all I got. Amazing. So we'll we'll probably get an update from them eventually later this week. We'll, we'll we'll follow up. Hey, if it takes me going to Clemson myself to find out, I'll go figure it out in two weeks and, and stop by Fike. I'll be up there for for Louisville Clemson softball. But what a what an intrepid reporter. Speaking of softball, he's teed me up perfectly. Let's head over to Mewborn Field where Georgia Tech faced off against number three Florida State. Uh, they did have one other scheduled midweek game versus Middle Tennessee that was canceled due to weather, I believe. Uh, however, Tech did get swept on the weekend versus Florida State. They lost the Friday game one or four to one, and then there was a doubleheader on Sunday due to weather on Saturday. Uh, they lost. Wait, this one wasn't a doubleheader. Doubleheader Friday, my guy. Doubleheader Friday. I uh, need to get better at preparing for these. Doubleheader on Friday, so they lost the. First game, four to one, lost the second game in 12 innings, six to two, in which the four winning runs for Florida State were scored in the 12th inning. And then they went the distance uh, versus FSU in the last game on Sunday because there was no game on Saturday, uh, three to two in a bit of a pitching duel versus Catherine Sandercock for Florida State and Blake Nelliman for Georgia Tech. I said FSU is top three in the nation. It's pretty insane to come this close. And I think it took me a little bit of thinking about it to come around to that take. I, it, it's tough. Cause like, again, tough to lose out all those midweek games, the, not easy wins, but the easy wins, uh, the easier. Yeah. Cause these, this team, like, I don't, I don't think past Georgia Tech teams, like they, they played what five extra innings in the second game of the day after Chandler Dennis had already pitched in an, almost an entire game in the first game. And then Nelliman comes out and throws seven very, very good innings. And Dennis had to face that lineup for FSU, what five, what? six, seven times in one day? Of course, they're finally going to figure out and give up a grand slam. I don't even know if that's running out of time. They just played played well, kept runs off the board, stranded runners. Like, and and it's the number three team in the country. It's a shame, but you know that's that's the way the ball bounces. Like, you got to get lucky and or break through and win a couple of these games if you want to make the tournament. We just don't have any statement wins yet. That's the problem. Like, yeah, I, I think it's progress, but at some point, like, just for their own sake, not even as like a fan, we need to see this or whatever. Because clearly people are responding to this team and this product. There's 800 people at Mewborn on Sunday. They sold out all three games, if I remember correctly. I thought they could probably fit more standing room people in there because they They also did sell standing room tickets for the third game. Yeah, which they don't usually do. I think it's like 750 or 800 seated. So it makes sense that they were right about hitting that. But uh, no, just for their own sake, like they've earned earned a win in some of one, two, 
three of these Duke and FSU, or I guess, because Duke, there was one or two that were pretty close and the other two were not. But like these FSU games, like, man, it just sucks to play that hard. Only get outscored by, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven runs across three games against one of the best teams in the country, a perennial, not just Oklahoma City team, but like a college World Series, like winning and competing every year team. That's awful, man. Not awful, like bad showing, but like. It's uh, unlucky, they're unfortunate. They're due. How's that? Yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's good to put it that way. And we have written in here. None, I mean, none of these were blowouts. None of them even score-wise look like blowouts. And none of them even, it, it wasn't a situation where softball had to, you know, come back, get back into the game. And then things sort of lost gas. Like it was, they were, all three were really competitive. And I think that came across the broadcast a number of times. Um, obviously Homer broadcast, but it, it was still like our broadcasters were very much so like, this is high level ACC baseball or ACC softball, excuse me. And this is what we want to see from this Georgia tech team day in, day out, weekend, uh, weekend in and weekend out. And I, I think it was a good performance even despite the, despite the sweep. And, and you can, here's a question for you being the historian. I remember when we were talking about the history of the softball program, right as Mewborn Field was completed, Georgia Tech and FSU were basically trading ACC titles. Mm -hmm. And also, correct, feel free to censure me if this is going to be an outrageous statement, but would you say this is the most competitive this kind of series has been since those days? Um. I will say the six game in one weekend slate versus Clemson and FSU was kind of similar last year. Not, the games weren't quite as close. There wasn't the 12 inning duel kind of thing, but like in terms of, at least in the games I've seen, I, I can't really, I'm going to be honest. I'm not an expert on the history of 2014, 2013 era Georgia tech softball, but at least since I've started paying attention to the team spring of 2017, when I was a freshman, um, you know, it's it it's tough because I, I think they they they're showing fight, but I mean clearly the team just has a long way to to go. But it, it's a that's the thing about softball. It's the same reason basketball had such a long rebuild and volleyball had such a long rebuild after they kind of had down years is because it's so hard to like crack and stay in the blue bloods in those sports in a way that we're not really like I guess seeing in college baseball and. I don't know so much about men's basketball. We'll see in the tournament here a little bit more, but like baseball has been like hectic, not, not just for tech, like losing to Mercer and Georgia Southern in the same year and in back-to-back weeks, but like, we'll get there. Shoot, man. Like it's hard to build a good softball team if it was easy. And then, and at lower levels, I, I think like in some of these low majors, like you saw Morales turn Radford around from like a pretty, not so great program to one that was like conference contending level in like a year and a half. But when you're in the ACC going up against, you know, arguably the second most storied softball team on the planet, that being FSU behind, not on the planet, I guess USA softball is pretty good too, but like USA softball, Oklahoma, maybe UCLA. But like it's in the top five, top five. Yeah. FSU's right there too. So it's tough. I feel like I've just like completely, 
yeet, yeet, all the way across the uh, – No, but I think the there's habit. a point in there, right? Like it can be – if you're – the first part is to be in the conversation. It's to be competitive. The next – and then there's a couple of steps to get to that same echelon. Yeah. Right? Um, it's unfortunate that they weren't – you know, the balls the balls bounced a specific way that they, they couldn't get – they couldn't get one of these three wins, but all of them were attainable, right? They, oh, yeah. You could have, there was a clear path to all of these that wasn't something that you had to like, you know, algorithmically or mathematically put together. Like it's, it's literally a couple bounces here and there. Yep. Also on the weekend, I think it's telling that we were just like, all right, piggyback Blake until Ch- uh, until she can't throw anymore and then throw Chandler or, you know, throw Chandler until she can't throw anymore. And then it's time to bring in Blake on the weekend. Uh, Dennis threw on Friday, two and two thirds, and then five in the second. So, th- so that's seven and two thirds innings while Nelliman threw 4.1 and then seven for 11.1 innings in one day, which is a lot. And then they came back on Sunday and threw three and then four. So that's uh, you know, that's that's a lot of innings, uh, and, and and it's tough, you know. Um, it's a lot of innings, especially split across top your top two pitchers when FSU is not going, is not riding their starters anywhere near that hard. Well, I will say we saw uh, Watson, Sandercock, Leonard enter, and who's the third one that we saw? Uh, no, yeah, it's just those three. So. We saw Sandercock twice in two different games and Watson in two different games, and both of them are are pretty darn good pitchers. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't take it too hard or anything like that. But um, you know, it's it's just tough. Like that for how much tech like could have had out of it. You know, you, you'd think they'd break through it in one of the games, or you'd hope, not think. Like it's I don't want to be unfair here. I think the team played played pretty great. I'm not going to complain about any of that. Um, and averaging over 700 fans per game on the weekend, like this is for, for a team that got swept, this is about as like chin held high of a sweep. I think as you could take, cause they kept battling too. Like they didn't give up when they were down uh, with their backs to the wall in, in the double header, which that was uh, uh, a Trisha a wall double um, in the bottom of the 10th. Tied it two after giving up two in the top of the 10, which mind you, this is not baseball. That was the fourth extra inning. <laughs> like it went, they played almost an entire second game mm-hmm. or almost an entire third game of the day. Game. It was a four hour long softball game. That's they basically insane. played four games in this weekend. Yeah. But um, ridiculous. I don't know. I feel like we're like just nailing the same point over and over and over again. And the I'm, nail is very firmly into the into the tree here. There's probably something else we could draw from this, but like, I don't know. It, it's I don't want to act like the world's ending. You know, like we got swept by a really great team. We're 15 and eight. That's not a terrible place to be. I I, I don't want to besmirch Louisville, but this weekend's looking kind of winnable, man. I'm sure your sister will be delighted to hear that news. Uh, let's you talked about Louisville. Let's move on to talking about the schedule for this weekend. They will play Louisville on the road in Louisville, Kentucky this weekend. But first, they will play Athens uh, in the midweek. I believe that's tomorrow at six. Uh, 
there is a weather clock. situation tomorrow, so I don't I don't know how that's going to work out. Uh, yeah. But I mean, Adam like Adam softball is a really good team. Um, they advanced out of their super regional last year, so it's another one of those top fifteen matchups. Like they've been playing basically to open uh, as soon as March started. That's all they've been doing. So uh, it's another thing to keep an eye on. Yep. Um, games on SEC Network Plus, uh, they'll be live stats. It's interesting that they moved up the Jackson State baseball game for tomorrow, but not the softball game. But I guess that one's in Athens, so it's not like GTAA has any control of that. Yeah, well, keep an eye on it. It may also be weather may not get that far east until True. later on. <laughs> but, yeah, um, let's move on to the baseball diamond at Russ Chandler stadium baseball went three and one on the week. They dropped their midweek versus Mercer, who is a very good team in their own right. And I'm not saying that in retrospect, after losing to them, they are a very good team. They beat FSU earlier, earlier in the season. Um, and then swept uh, Virginia tech in very exciting and very heartrending fashion, but we'll get there. Uh, tech is now, 13 and three on the season D one baseball has them at number 10 in the nation in today's poll. Before we get to talking about the VT series and both of us caught a bunch of that this weekend. um, What did you think about the Mercer result? Is there anything that we can take away from that as we look towards analyzing the VT series? I think this whole year, these midweek games have been just, all over the place, man. Like <laughs> the um, what you call it? Even the Mercer, like Mercer FSU one. I think FSU might be a little bit overrated, sitting at number eight. I'm I'm not so sure. Um, sure about that one, but uh, I don't know. Like what? What was I just saying? Like it? These teams are super old. Like the MLB draft change uh, plus COVID, both happening at the same time, has led to a lot more talent staying in baseball. And that means, you know, top guys are staying in top teams. Uh, they're guys, you know, maybe they're they're transferring if they're not seeing playing time because, you know, people above them aren't getting drafted. People are sticking around being fourth and fifth year seniors at some of these schools. Mercer's not a bad team. Mercer... Uh, for those who are tech fans of a certain age, might remember that that's where Kel Johnson, who was basically supposed Board to be- memory like, unlocked. I was going to say, like, he's supposed to be like Andrew Jenkins before Andrew Jenkins was Andrew Jenkins, you know, but um, probably, I don't know. Uh, he was he was the guy, right? When it was him and Joey Barton. They were that the guys. dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then he, he got there. injured. Yeah, he, he got injured. I, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 17. He got injured. The season kind of took a nosedive from there. Uh, and then he ended up wanting, I think he wanted to go to dental school. So he tran- he grad transferred to Mercer. Um, and then we saw him in 2019. So um, interesting, you know, it's, it's a good program. Uh, and, and it's evidenced by some of those wins that they've had. And even like last week, I mentioned that they had really good promos for their games with the bug spray. Uh, I thought that was a nice, nice touch, but um, you know, it, I have to agree. I, especially Tech has especially had a lot of trouble in these midweek games. Mm-hmm. I think so too, and I mean, it's kind of a symptom of the pitching. But we can dive into this when we start talking more about uh, 
the little hokey adventure, but uh, if it was a the, hokey adventure, let's be clear, it was a hokey adventure for all the for but for all the midweek questions I think we've had, I think this weekend series really cleared up some mound stuff, at least in my opinion. I don't I don't want to speak for you there, but I I think it I'm still kind of on the fence. Um, I, I don't have the pitching performances in front of me. I assume you do, but it, just based on vibes, let's say you're usually the vibes guy and I'm usually the stats guy, but let's switch positions here for a sec. Just based on how things were going. And I was at most of the, let's see, I was at most of the Saturday game or most of the Sunday game, Sunday game, uh, and then watch bits and pieces of uh, the Friday game. And then was following the second Sunday game uh, for most of it. Um the pitching performances, once you got out of the top line guys, were weird. Um, and it, it was kind of to be expected. I think Maxwell did was handling himself pretty well in the first game on Sunday until he ran into some trouble with back-to-back homers. Um, that is obviously not what you want to see. Uh, and it put VT back into a game that they were definitely not in right before that. Uh, that VT's pitcher in that first game was having some trouble. Uh, well, then they got up, which is bad. Yeah, they and then they got they made up almost the entire deficit on two back-to-back home runs. So um, that that was definitely a little concerning. Um, the I, I will say though, I think the Sunday game, especially late on, and the Sunday game went late. Like I think that went to fourteen. So you have another team that played almost four entire games this weekend. Um, the Sunday, the second Sunday game, uh, we saw a cavalcade of ro- like lineup rotation uh, yeah, all over the place, right? And especially at, uh, on the mound. Um, Cody Carwile put up a really good performance. Uh, Dawson Brown, I think, had a bit of a rough go in a couple of these spots. Um, there was another freshman whose name I, I can't remember right now. Um, oh no, Dawson Brown was the one who had a really good performance in that second game. He was, he had, a, he was roughed up a little bit in the Friday game. Um, but it, I think we saw flashes of what a pitching staff, a, what a fully competent pitching staff could look like. It's just, we got to, the puzzle pieces are all jumbled, right? Uh, we got to put some things together structure a bullpen structure a lot uh structure rotation uh based on the data that we have now after uh what one acc series and all of this non-con play um and optimize what we're doing on the mound as we move forward maxwell not to harp on this in two innings through 76 two in change innings through 76 pitches and had a whip of four i don't love that I'm going to be really straightforward there. However, no, I agree. I agree. However, however, I think Cody Carwile for the second straight week, piggybacking off of a Maxwell start has looked fantastic. One hit, no runs, no hits, no walks, two strikeouts uh, in four innings pitched and 13 batters faced, and pitching out of a bit of a jam. Uh, that he came into in the third. I that That's a, a a guy who eats innings in a way that, and has now a couple weeks in a row, in a way that I don't think we've seen in a hot minute at mm-hmm. Tech. And 
especially he's getting out of these jams, which I think is the most important part. He keeps that game from getting from VT getting fully back into that game. Yep. Right. Especially, especially if you're, if your starter has just thrown two meatballs for homers, like I, I, again, I don't want to be blunt. I don't want to harp on it, but the fact that they hit two homers in a row, like they're locked in on something that, that he's doing. Right. Those were bombs. Those were not. Yeah, they they were. were they not were not normal bad. homers. They hit the. They hit like twenty feet on the fence or on the netting, out mm-hmm. in left field, twenty feet above the above the fence. So, you're talking about they had locked in on something, uh, and Zach was unable to adjust, uh, which is unfortunate. And I and you know I hope that he, he he's able to work that out. Um, but it was good to see Carwell come in in relief and dominate what had what was starting to be an explosive VT lineup there. Yeah. Um, also, um, shouting more of the bullpen out because that's currently my 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 screen in life. Uh, Crawford, uh, six runners um, turned in two runs over three innings pitch. That's pretty good. Um, but Dalton Smith, like you already mentioned, one hit in almost three innings of work. Um, and two walks. That's very solid. Uh, only faced 10 batters uh, to do. Um, Medich led up two in two innings, which is, which is fine. He ate some innings there, almost three innings of work. Um, and then uh, Josiah Siegel, uh, pretty okay in two thirds of an inning. Uh, Dawson Brown did not yield a hit uh, in his one and a third. And then Logan McGuire. He may have given up a run, but in two and a third innings of work, uh, he split two hits um, around no walks and had four strikeouts. Where has this guy been? Because I like that. A lot of the younger guys are starting to get time out of the bullpen and starting to rise up those priority, like the first guy out of the bullpen, those rankings. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see a lot more diversity in, in choices there. Um, I know Danny is historically like to rely on some of his older pitchers out of the pen, but now that you're getting it, now that he's gotten a taste of what some of these younger guys can do um, in in clutch situations, I think it would behoove him to start getting these guys on the mound earlier and often. Yeah, I think uh, Aiden Finitieri on Friday also worth shouting out for strikeouts, um, which means that all of his outs came via strikeout. Uh, he faced nine batters, so he did give up. Uh, sorry. That's four walks. I was I was way more impressed than I needed to be. <laughs> I thought my bad. Um, but he still didn't give up a hit. Um, three true outcomes baseball. So um, you know, pretty pretty fine there. Um, now I feel a little embarrassed because I was about to shout him out probably four strikeouts, but two strikeouts is still good. Uh, uh, when you've only thrown for four outs. Um, but yeah, no, Cody, Cody Carwell. He's been he's been eating innings like a madman, and we've said his name what three two or three weeks in a row now. We we yep. shouted him out. So between that and and Luke McGuire, I think those are our two biggest surprises of like the whole year, and we haven't even talked about the lineup yet. And the lineup this weekend was good. It was really really good, and I think someone in our writers room was like, "It's good to know that we can <laughs> hit our way out of some of these situations." Um, I, I think I, I had some eyebrow raises at, at the way that Virginia tech pitched in, especially that first Sunday game 
where they knew that their starter was getting shelled and they just let him die out there for a bit. Um, I guess you know that you have a second game coming up on the night and you don't want to use too many arms out of your pen, but I don't know, man, you have a bunch of pitchers on the roster. You're not going to run out of all, all of them. However, I guess they did almost run out of all of them. So maybe I'm wrong there. Um, but it, the lineup was really good. A, a bunch of homers, a bunch of clutch hits, just a very, very much a not even like a workman like performance. It was a very, very good, very power based performance. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and I think the situational hitting for this team, situational hitting and situational base running has really been a hallmark. Um, and, and that's been great to see, uh, particularly. I mean, the 14th inning last night, I don't I don't think we can even talk through that. You have to go watch that in person, right? Like that that game was tied on a, a suicide squeeze drag bunt for a hit. It's the most Danny Hall crap I have seen in a long time. Like I, I, I think one of our friend one of our other writers said, okay, well, bunting is fine there because a lot of college third basemen aren't good enough to make that play. Uh, on on a suicide bunt, but at the same or a suicide squeeze right down the third baseline. At the same time, though, you know you have an out- <laughs> just bunting in that situation. And I think it was I forgot who it was at the plate. Um, so it was I think it was Bradley Fry was at the plate. I think he's a freshman. Um, just bu- bunting in that situation with two outs and runners on the corners is a take. Uh, is not necessarily something that I would have chosen, but it worked out, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, literally, it was like, you don't see this in baseball today. It, I, I like that. I mean, I, I'm an old school guy. I don't like universal DH, and I never will. And now that gets... Oh, no, we're not getting into there. We're not getting into that be, right now. I get to be an old man at 23. This is delightful. Um, but... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, uh, the the situational hitting's fine. Uh, I'm a little concerned. Chandler Simpson apparently out with injury. I have no information there. I do not want to speculate on potential injury, but um, good to see Stephen Reed playing the second game after getting into a collision at second base. That one I, I will talk through because he did come back and, and play a whole second game. So that's at least some good news. Yeah. Uh, I, my last note on baseball is that these gold jerseys are great until you look at the numbers on the back. You got to do Navy numbers. You cannot do gold numbers on the back. That's it's, on, on a gold jersey. That it's gold is sucks. metallic on gold fabric. That's a lot. That's very tech, actually. It's, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's tacky. I'm just going to say it's not readable. It, it, even if they have the Navy border, it's not readable. It's It's ridiculous. Really? All right, uh, Trace Gonzalez obviously gets that last that that uh, walk off hit uh, for the 14 inning win yesterday, leading us into this week's slate. Tech will play Jackson State on Tuesday and Wednesday in a two game set at home. That Tuesday game has been moved up to 2 p.m. So that's during the school day. I assume there's some sort of we, we talked a little bit earlier about some weather situation rolling into town probably later in the afternoon. Uh, and then the weekend series this week is versus Wake Forest, who was undefeated 
a while ago, but you mentioned to me when we were prepping for this, that they took some lumps this past weekend. Uh, who's Wake Forest? Yes. Yeah, they uh, were playing Florida State this weekend, actually. The the aforementioned Florida State, and I believe they split a weather-shortened series one and one last I checked. I don't think they ever completed or played the uh, that second uh, that second game of the series. Uh, they're currently sitting at 13-3. and three. Yeah, uh, the Saturday game got postponed. So, um, oh, wait, no. They, they completed it late last night. My bad. They lost twice to Florida State, uh, winning the first contest on, on Friday. There we yeah. go. So Wake probably is who we thought they were, not their what their record was saying they were. So yeah, they're uh, they're thirteen and three overall. If I hadn't said that already. Yeah, we'll we'll take a look at this one. I think we'll learn a lot more about Wake too, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll continue to see some of these performances that we saw versus Virginia Tech you know, tighten up a little bit and get more optimized, especially on the mound. Yeah. Um, I think the the other thing worth noting is they are 0-1 in road games. They lost to Coastal um, in Conway. So, um, yeah. Woof. In terms, in terms of their last, like, week or so of games, uh, they went 2-3 uh, and three with, with losses, uh, Coastal, Florida State, and Florida State. So, um, and they play in a band, tiny little band box of a ballpark. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it uh, may be a little bit different when coming to the short porch. Field. Yeah, short porch. In terms of teams, they played Lafayette, Georgetown, VCU, UNC Greensboro. Uh, then a four-game slate against New Jersey Tech, which is not quite Georgia Tech uh, in terms of uh, sports. And then you got Elon, UMass, Lowell, so not even regular UMass, and then Central Michigan. Coastal, George Mason, and then and then Florida State. So uh, we uh, not not guaranteeing anything, but we should learn a thing or two. How's that? Yeah, yeah, acceptable, uh, right. acceptable. Let's talk about another venue in which we will learn a lot about the progress of a team, especially on the timing boards. Macaulay Aquatic Center will host the women's NCAA swim and dive championships this week last week we had these zone diving championships in which we added a couple of participants to the ncaa national championship slate and cami hidalgo on the one meter and three meter and the platform dive sections what can you tell me just wrapping up zones what other things should we look forward to as we move into the ncaa's yeah kind of a uh, uh, shockingly eh performance from Ruben Lechuga. Um, not to uh, say anything too off the wall there, but he, he put, he, he dove really well at ACC's, um, but uh, was a little surprised not to see him come through um, on the men's side, but he's young. He's got a couple more years left, but uh, Cami Hidalgo has been um, the un- under heralded star of this team through all she's been through um, for She got injured uh, a couple years back very inspiring story, won an award for it, all that fun stuff. Um, but uh, she qualified in all three diving events and was joined by Bradeskew on the platforms as well. So uh, that's the majority, actually, of our of our entries for the women this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to short sell another finisher here. We mentioned her last week, Mackenzie Campbell as well. Um, not on the diving board, but she will be in the 400 IM, the 200 IM, and the 200 fly this week coming up. 
Uh, just as a note, the men's championship will be the week after. Obviously, you don't want that many people in Macaulay at the same time. You wrote up a little preview a couple days ago on the Twitter sphere. Let's roll through that a little bit, talk about some of the highlights of what this week is going to look like for tech. Yeah. Um, pretty. Or I guess this week and next week. Yeah, pretty, pretty traditional to split those uh, NCAA weeks in, in a couple, in many instances, <coughs> Athens. <coughs> um, they usually won't even host them in the same city. Tech is just that good of a pool that they want to have both here. Uh, the people demand it, as do we as very influential sports writers. Um, but um, It's called money. Uh, we get a lot of money, not us specifically. Georgia uh, Tech gets a lot of money from this, I assume. The, the year I was treasurer for the swim club, the check we had to write as a student organization to use that pool for nationals. Oh, my goodness. They must make even more off NCAA. Um, anyways. Um, I hope they are. Uh, uh, Campbell, Hidalgo, Bradeskew uh, combining for seven individual entries for women's NCAAs. We talked about the diving for uh, four of them. Campbell will swim the 200 IM, 400 IM, and the 200 fly. Um the men get a couple more entries. Uh, they have 15 of them, uh, four individuals and, and eight, well, four individual um, participants, um, eight total athletes, because uh, they have relays as well. Uh, Kyle Pampudis, uh, Merkilovus, Berkasaka, and Christian Ferraro. Uh, Pampudis and Ferraro are fifth years. They've been doing this a long time. Uh, they've been very good. While Kilovus and Saka, still very good, uh, but much younger. Um, they're, they're, the, uh, they're the young guns, the young Turkish guns. Uh, this is what happens when you import an entire Olympic team uh, to be your varsity team. They start to uh, represent you. Uh, Pampudis, also an Olympian in the past, so not to sell him short. But uh, another Turk, uh, Batur Unlu, along with Austin Daniel, Clark Wakeland, and uh, uh, oh my goodness, uh, I'm completely blanking on Kurtesh's first name. Shame on me. Um, I almost said Daniel, but I know that's not right. I'm doing this off the seat of my pants. Um but uh, we'll, we'll circle back on that. Pampudis is one of the two IM, 100 breasts, 200 breasts. He's placed in multiple of those events in the past. So definite threat to, uh, to win those. Campbell, um, if we will add, um, is uh, middle of the pack in her three events, while Hidalgo uh, did essentially finish 28th on her own last year uh, as a, you know, the Tech team's 28th place finish. Um, anyways, back to the men. Ferraro's got three more. He's good at the fly. Um, he's basically represented Tech in those events for five straight years. Uh, so no surprise there. Saka's a backstroker and Kilovus distance free. So really Tech covers every event uh, almost except uh, the, the 100 free, the 200 free, and uh, the 400 IM. So should be a pretty rounded out meet. Uh, and then they have uh, four of the five relays. So should be pretty solid. Uh, if you're looking for nights to go, I believe, Thursday, Friday are your strong ones. Thursday, Friday of next week are your strong ones uh, in terms of men's entries. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want swimming, you're, you're really going to get it these next two weeks. Um, you can't go wrong. Speaking of Georgia Tech coverage of the NCAA Swim and Dive Championships, we will also be there for at least probably two, three days this week. Uh, and then, I guess, undecided, or at least a good chunk of it next week. So, We'll probably have some content out about it. There might be some, you know, 15-minute quick episodes here and there review, recapping the action from the day. I mean, swim is one of our bread and butters, and then I'm just here alone for the ride. So um, 
we'll do something. We'll, we'll, we'll put something together. Yeah. All right. Um, quick blurb. We're- also NCAA vibes. Uh, track. Nicole Fegan's text one entrant uh, in NCAA indoors this weekend. 11th in the 3,000 meters. So pretty, pretty good showing from her. Did you just steal my segue? Yeah. I was feeling it. I didn't want to have to talk and ramble into the distance like I always do. So he vibed a segue. Incredible. Uh, like you said, Nicole Fegan's 11th in NCAA indoors, 3,000 meters. Georgia Tech's only competitor at NCAA indoors. However, Georgia Tech track will host the Yellow Jacket invite this weekend. It's one of two opportunities to catch them at home this spring. I don't, I think the other one is later in the schedule. I haven't looked at the schedule recently. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting meet. Uh, do you have a list of the teams who will be coming to compete? No, in fact, I do not. I'm not this prepared. Let me see if I can pull anything. Ooh. I don't know if the preview's out yet. So let's uh, see if we can find it. Maybe I don't see the preview yet. Well, we promise it exists. This meet is happening. I'm sure people are coming. So should you. I mean, it's a it's an interesting sport to watch in person, uh, especially you. if you haven't been to a track meet before. It is Daniel Cortez, by the way, the, the first name I forgot. I was like, it can't be Austin Daniel and Daniel Cortez. That's too easy. So my apologies to both Daniel's first and last name. Uh, I looked womp, that up. Womp. driving me nuts. Womp, womp. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on track, which is what we were talking about? Nope. Fegans is literally doing it all. Good at school. Runs the... I think the Saab too, the student athletic board, like getting 11th in the country, all American can't ask for much more. I think she was also named an all American. I don't know if I said that or you said that she was also I named an all American. I think I literally conference. just said that we're, we're good. We're on the same vibe. Cool. Maybe next time vibing the segue, maybe let me know next time. Speaking of segue women's tennis is up next at Ken Byers, just a short walk away from Griffin track. They are ranked 36th in the nation. They dispatched two ACC opponents this past week, Louisville by a score of 5-2, to two, and then Notre Dame by a score of 6-1. to one. The ladies' tennis program is rolling. What say ye? They're good. They're finally hitting their stride. This is the team that we've been waiting to do this all season. They throttled Louisville and Notre Dame. Both of those are solid wins. And, uh, yeah. They're, they're getting a tougher test with Wake and NC State in town uh, this weekend. Yeah, it, it's going to be – I think we talked about this last week. As we get further and further into the slate and as we sort of face some of these triangle teams and the tobacco road teams, they are just so good at the sport. It's kind of it, – it, they're good tests, right? They're really good tests to see where this program is at, especially as it – um, as it recovers from losing two of the best players in program history. Yep. Um, one thing I will say, uh, it's uh, interesting that they kind of shook up the uh, the courts a little bit. Uh, Bill Chip and Roster on one and Lee and Sharabura on two. And they're up to um, the 13th ranked doubles pairing and 12th ranked doubles pairing in the country with those, with those pairings with uh, Cohen and Marsh on, uh, on three, but uh Whatever they changed worked because, you know, they're they're rolling in doubles and they're ranked pretty darn good, um, even if the singles rankings aren't quite what we've seen from Tech in the past. 
Okay. It's interesting that we're still playing with the lineups this far into the season, you know? Eh. I think you got to do what you got to do. Something wasn't working, and and uh, Rodney made the switch. And Sorry, Coach Harmon made the switch. Wow. First name basis, huh? No, not not at all. I'm just rude. That's that's the, that's the problem. Speaking of another rude situation, uh, men's tennis tennis did not have an update for us rudely because they were off this week. Very strangely, we talked about that last week. There are two ACC teams that don't have men's tennis programs. It's weird, uh, but they are facing Virginia again, and then Virginia Tech. This coming week, they are ranked 51st in the nation. Virginia is going to be a tough out. We already saw that earlier this year. What do you have on Virginia Tech? Like in terms of like vibes or like actual tennising? Give me both. I was going to say, because I feel very different about Virginia than I do about Virginia Tech. We've already seen well, yeah. like that. They're good. That's scary. At least we get them at home this time. But Virginia Tech, um, they've always been kind of like in our neighborhood the past couple of years. You know, we had a, a down year or two in there after after losing Eubanks and before the uh, the you know class of destiny or whatever you want to call this one uh, started coming up. But uh, this is a this reads one in one weekend. But Tech's just been off so much that it's been hard for them to pile up wins. I'd say like they. They need them and they want them. But in terms of the last, the first two weekends of ACC play, and then, the you know, we played two games after a huge long rest and then being off again, they spent three of the last four weekends of ACC play, like scrambling to add a doubleheader against the Citadel through no fault of their own. And then off, like, it's just a really weird schedule. And like, they need wins. They're, they need to do some work in terms of, you know, being ready for tournament time, but they just like haven't been able to like again, no fault of their own, but just very weird in terms of scheduling this year. Yeah, and I'm sure it, it again, like in this sport too, like practice is going to be different from st- in in game performance, right? There's a lot of. I think tennis is a little, at least a little bit easier because practice the and the actual, you know, performance of the sport are the exact same, but. It's not like soccer where you could say, okay, well, doing these drills isn't necessarily going to translate into in-game performance. But um, at least they have been practicing. They've been practicing against each other. That's top-level competition. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking for content here. It's weird that they've been off for so long. I agree. I feel like we haven't learned anything about them since, like, the UGA – match and that was more than that was a month and a day ago now like it's just been a long month but they'll play this weekend and they'll be fine we'll learn something or we won't and uh hopefully they're at least one and one afterwards good deal moving on to mccamish pavilion and its two home teams men's basketball actually made its home at the brooklyn nets arena the Barclays center this week for the acc tournament they picked up Let's see. They they got there. They got two of their best players suspended for reasons that were not explained. And then they started off really hot versus Louisville and then ended up losing. They tried. They almost came back and they still lost. So what can we take away from that as we start to piece together the offseason? 
Yeah. Um, it was weird. Tech got off to a kind of low-key, pretty good start um, with DeVoe and Usher on the bench, and then it was kind of a, a long run after that um, that went the other way. But um, I don't know. With with the brackets already being out, the ACC tournament already being over, like I don't really want to harp on this past year too much. But And, and we've talked about it a ton, like the, the expectations versus the reality versus the um, how stuff could have been could have been different and, and and all that stuff. I think when, when you walk away from it, my takeaways from this year are I'm very happy that Moses and Jose got that bread. I'm ecstatic that Jose has become kind of a phenomenon in terms of NBA Twitter and, and meaning something to the Pelicans and their fans. And uh, in terms of this team, especially towards the end of the year, I think we saw Rodney Howard get better. I think we saw Miles Kelly finally have it click like there was just something that just wasn't there early in the year even against non-acc teams um i think he finally started to click debo obviously who had it together first and foremost and i think more um uh is going to be is going to be good next year uh so i i don't know not that i'm not worried i would i would like another big man um just to you know the, the more the more the merrier really um and i think point guard you know, with Davon Smith being out at the end of the year, a little harder to tell. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think they're going to be, they're going to be fine. I think they got unlucky this year, lost a lot of single digit and, and one possession games. So I don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I realize that um, Devo and Usher represent a large volume of our scoring and possession and, you know, touches, if you will, even if it wasn't always particularly efficient, which I think is also key there. Yeah, it, it's just been a very strange year for this team, right? I, I've never ha- like never watched a Georgia Tech team and been so I don't like been had the feeling consistently, whereas I just have no idea what to expect week yeah. to week to week, um, and it's just very strange. Like it, it I, I I would I would have liked some consistency. It's really bad to say this, but like I would have liked some consistency and them to sort of had an identity of okay, we're going to be at like good-ish or we're going to be bad-ish because they had a bunch of performances where you could sort them into either bucket, right? Well, um, and they and even had, not even a bunch of performances. That's really good games. now, you know. Like, but they almost lost. Uh, what was it, Lamar? Like, and that's a week apart. I think that's pretty emblematic of the year. The whole year was like that. It's, I think we, we've talked a bunch about, like you said, we talked about the expectations. We talked about the roster change. Like we talked about, okay, well, they made the tournament. The, the original mission of Josh Pastner's tenure was a success and that they got old, they stayed old, and they made the tournament. What comes next is sort of the question that we've all been pondering. It just might take a couple more, at, at least another year to get a good answer to what that looks like, especially in a weird, because of the weird transition year um, where they just couldn't really, you know, that roster wasn't set until basically the season started because of some of the draft shenanigans. Right. So we'll see um, Michael DeVoe, uh, Khalid Moore, and you have Michael DeVoe on here twice. I think you mean Jordan Usher uh, and then uh, yeah, Boa Parham. Boa Parham are all graduating. Uh, or leaving the team. So Godspeed to them. Um, success in whatever they do next, uh, hopefully. It, it's going to be a very different team in a lot of ways next year. And, you know, we'll, we'll, 
I, I think this one definitely deserves a deep dive by someone that probably knows more about basketball tactics than we do. We'll have to get someone on. Yeah. That's uh that's a desperate call for, for more basketball content, but we'll get there. That signal is up. Uh, cross promo with Batman, obviously. Uh, moving on to the other half of McHamish Pavilion and the Zelnak Center. Women's basketball had selection Sunday yesterday. That's why we delayed recording until Monday. They were awarded a ninth seed in an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. They will play number eight seed Kansas in the Stanford pod of the Spokane region. Um, so that all four, three games, three games uh, will be hosted at Maples Pavilion in Stanford, California. Tech will tip off against Kansas at 7.30 p.m. on March 18th. So that is Friday. Uh, I did not see an ESPN network listed, but rest assured it is on somewhere in the ESPN ecosystem. Just a little bit of history before I pass it over to you. Tech was last a nine seed in the 09 tournament. Funny how that works. They dispatched number eight, Iowa, by uh, what looks to be what is that 14 points in the first round and then uh, got blitzed by number one seed Oklahoma by 19 in the second round. What do you got on this placement, first of all, before we talk about the opponent? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit lower than I expected. Um, I, I think maybe a six or seven seed is probably more deserving given the overall body of work. But I understand that the icy skid into the playoffs is never really a good place to be um, in terms of when the seedings happen. Like if, if they just put together this like general record, but like sprinkled the losses around a little more evenly, as stupid as that sounds, um, I think I think it looks a little bit different. Um, that being said, I also think it's kind of fair. Uh, it's a little bit scary to almost certainly be playing Stanford in the event that a win happens in, on Friday, which, uh, yeah, that's your favorite team. So I'll let you talk about them, but, uh, not let's be clear. Let's, let's get that bit out of the way. That um, is a defending national champion Stanford team that is playing games on their home court. It's a scary proposition, but I don't necessarily think Kansas is to be underestimated here. All right, especially with the me though. Go Sorry. For it. North Carolina getting a five seed. That's what floors me. I don't really get how Mr. Ain't played nobody or ain't beat nobody all year that gets shellacked by Georgia Tech and the powers of the conference gets to be a five seed in Greensboro when we have to trek all the way over to Silicon Valley. Uh, I do believe that in both, there was a similar situation here with Duke being on the, what is it? The two line um, and Tennessee being on the three line in the men's bracket. Uh, And I think at least in the women's tourney case, the selection committee was asked about it and they basically said verbatim fan experience because this was the situation with uh, UConn being a two seed in Bridgeport instead of like NC state being over in, in Bridgeport or like hosting their own situation. Um, So very strange bracketology process from the powers that be 
No, no, just hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my high horse here. You cannot justify seeds and a tournament and say that fan experience is the thing that's driving the matchups. Do you not know why the college football playoff exists, boss? Oh no! It's it, this is all a gigantic sham. It is is what sports are, and never is that more true. And I say that giving you know the last hour of our all of our pleasant evenings to sports, but it is hour a and eleven sham minutes and a fraud to cowtoe to Tobacco Road, and not even not even NC State. NC State has to go all the way to Bridgeport, but you can put the Tar Heels a forty five minute drive from their regional, and put them on the five line. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. Also, that Greensboro region is, I mean, it's got UNC at the five. It's got Miami, surprise Miami, which I think played their way into the tournament picture the last couple of weeks. Uh, On the eight line, uh, Florida State, just to round out some of these ACC inclusions uh, while you're mentioning it, Florida State uh, is in the first four, also in the Spokane region. Uh, Virginia Tech is the five in the Spokane region. I think they're playing Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Louisville, obviously a one. That they're in the Wichita region. And uh, NC State is one in the Bridgeport region, uh, as we mentioned before. Uh, Notre Dame is the five, also in the Bridgeport region. So uh, eight ACC teams in the field. I think that's the most in a while. Um, for really good showing. Just looking at the number of teams that made it, really good showing for a really strong basketball conference this year. I clicked on the bracket and it pulled up an ad. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, uh, just to round out our pod, I already mentioned that Tech is playing Kansas. You mentioned that Stanford is uh, the one seed in that region and on the other end of a uh, win for either Tech or Kansas. Uh, Stanford is playing number 16 seed Montana State in their matchup. So interesting little pod at Maples Pavilion in, uh, in Stanford, California. I, just a minute while you do some research on the bracket, because I know that's what you're doing in the background. Uh, the Jayhawks have not made an NCAA tournament since 2013. That is weird to say when you think about Kansas, but also this is the women's team, not the not Bill Self and the men's team. So still a little interesting. Um, uh, the Jayhawks finished 38th in net rankings. Uh, they finished 20 and 9, 11 and 7 in Big 12 play. I think when we were talking about this before we got on the air, I, on the air, he says, because podcasting is a live medium, um, you had mentioned that they had a really solid set of performances, a really consistent set of performances, but they didn't have any signature victories. They did play Oklahoma, uh, a pretty good Oklahoma team that ended up beating them in the quarterfinals. They, they beat Oklahoma earlier in the season and then lost like I said, that rematch in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament um, late last week. So a bit of a mixed bag for Kansas, but obviously like it's a, there's their first tournament in almost 10 years, right? That There's nothing to discount that. We had that experience last year. Um, so it'll be a very interesting matchup. I don't really have much more in the in terms of preview content, so I'm hoping you do here. Yeah. I mean – I don't know a ton about Kansas in terms of preview review stuff. I mean, they're well, well prepared, boss. They, they, they really, they've only beat one team currently in the top 25 of the polls and that's Oklahoma right before tournament time. They played a bunch of good teams, but they've really just kind of taken care of business and found themselves in the tournament picture. What they did is Which I mean, like, they're, they're the quintessential eight seed right now. Yeah. Uh, it, it 
they're just a very, very solid team. Like, like you said, they took care of business and that is definitely one way to make the tournament without necessarily signature wins. Right. And we're talking about them matching up against the Georgia tech team that has definitely been reeling the last couple of weeks, almost for about a month now, honestly. So I think this presents a really interesting matchup on Friday between two probably pretty evenly matched teams at the end of the day. I haven't seen a point spread on it yet. Um, I'm not even, I'm sure that there is a point spread out there. I, I haven't submitted a bracket uh, for either tournament. So I don't really know what the state of play is in terms of public predictions either, but I did look at 538's predictions. Tech has a 60% chance to advance from this game. Uh, and then if they play Stanford in the next round, it's a 3% chance to advance from there. So unfortunate seeding situation, obviously playing into the one, the, the one seeds pod, but at least the first round game is definitely competitive and it's definitely winnable here. Yep. I think that's a great place to lead it. Absolutely. Uh, last bit of information that came down. Lorella Kubai is a finalist for the James Naismith Defensive Player of the Year award. I didn't see a date on when that's announced, but I assume it will be either sometime during the tournament or sometime after the end of the tournament. Uh, just as a reminder, this year's Women's Final Four is in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but it's at the Target Center instead of U.S. Bank, because I don't know, the NCAA is still lame. Uh, a couple other notes, actually. Uh, this year's Women's Tournament is the first to use the March Madness branding, uh, and there's a bunch of other uh, equality uh, equality rules and equality configurations in play uh, to make this a better situation for the women that participate in the tournament, um, Especially when, you know, we looked at the situation that was going on last year when we had two bubbles uh, and one group of individuals that's definitely more preferred in that situation than the other. Not to be that guy about the first four, but like, I wouldn't have mind if the men had just kind of like chopped out the first four if we're, if we're making things equal, but that's, that's uh, a, a take only spicier by my baseball should just be 32 three-game series all the way through the College World Series, but that's just me too. Okay, we need to get you not talking about curmudgeonly things. Talk about the other bracketology that from the Rumble Seat will, will be participating in this week. Yeah, every year too, I plop out a, a, a meme bracket in terms of uh, just a, a topic. Uh, the first one I think was the building bracket where we ranked the best building on campus. Shocker tech tower one, I think, I think. Yes. I and then I think who, what do we follow up? We did the, the people bracket after that. Yeah, we did the people bracket. I think I still have the document sitting around for that one. I think that was Heisman. I can't remember, but anyways, shocker. If, if it wasn't him, it was probably somebody kind of like him, Bobby Dodd, something like that. But anyways, uh, this year, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, and this probably goes live before uh, before I get around to posting the the uh, Twitter links and stuff for, for the new bracket, but we're going to do interactive on the site and on Twitter, uh, a uh, vote for the best sports theme uh, in uh, 
you know, in, in classic us uh, website fashion, we're going to do something esoteric. And, and in case you're passionate about the fact that they replaced the college football music uh, when they introduced the playoffs, this is your time to shine. Um, so I won't spoil all of it. Uh, the old college football ESPN music is in there, though. I'm passionate about that. I think they've been slept on by the seeding formula, and I look forward to them dancing through the bracket. So go ahead and check. Uh, yes. The and- seeding. Hold on. Now I have to pull up some of the seeds. Nope. Uh, those are those are old. Do you want the fresh ones? I'll, I'll drop them right in the chat. Well, no, I'll use the old ones just to just to do a live reaction here. I'm not going to mention any names. I have one specific. Is this not a full document? This document is empty. No, it's literally just a list. It is a copy-pasted list. Hold on. Okay, where's the list? This is incredible live audio. Here's the updated seeds. Obviously, the Spartan Madness team is number one. They're also out of order. 22? 22? For the MLS theme? I wasn't going to name it, but fine. Yes. I, I moved it up at your insistence. I don't think also no good. Champions League anthem. Oh yeah, I, I meant to replace that. I I have to replace the Premier League with the Champions League anthem. Sorry. No, the Premier the Premier League one has also changed. So it really like they've done three in the last like four years. So you really gotta find you gotta find one that's good. Um, but the NBC one is pretty good. Anyway, this is not Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, this is not go vote. Uh it'll be out. Uh, in terms of spoiling seeds, March Madness theme is number one because it's the best ever. But you guys can go prove me wrong. I think everything above probably like 18 could have been eight, from one to 18 uh, based on the day of the week. Any one of those probably could have been number one, two, three. So, but uh, the F1 theme at 12, come on. The F1 theme is really good. I didn't believe it. And then I listened to it and I was like, okay, this slaps. So, I thought you were randomizing all of these. No, I didn't. I, uh, I I decided to get rid of the randomizer and, and put my personal bias into things. Christ. Okay. Well, is that all? Is that all your setup for this? I'm, yeah. I'm going to well, argue with you on, about seatings. You can vote later. on Twitter. That's FTRS blog on Twitter from the rumbleseat.com. Listen to this fine podcast wherever podcasts are sold, but you're already listening, so you know where to find it. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, tell your loved ones. Uh, we appreciate the... Uh, the listening and if you have comments comments on the the article associated with this tweet us uh at ftrs blog or send us an email from the rumble seat at gmail.com i've been jake he's been akshay and uh what this is this is monday this is march it's it's time this is start. march this is march the ides of march if you will so uh watch yourself don't get stabbed in the back oh, so-